Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today we're talking about the bona fide needs rule. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. All right, let's get started. So many things in the government contracting world are not self-evident, and the bona fide need rule is one of them. In the non-GovCon world, money doesn't actually expire, and you can usually spend it on whatever you want to. That's true, although not always in the business world. Sometimes there's restrictions in, in your company with, with budgets. Yeah, there, there are yeah. budgets and limits, but right, right. generally you, you can choose where to spend it. I totally agree, though. We're used to money being green. You can spend it on anything you want. And for a lot of people, the harsh reality of government contracting rules can be a surprise. Before we get into that, more surprises, let's stop and say <laughs> thanks, which shouldn't be a surprise. Thanks this week goes to Raymond Reyes. Raymond is a vice president of Corvus Consulting in uh, San Antonio, Texas. I want to thank Raymond for liking and sharing our podcast episodes and especially for reaching out to us to suggest a topic based on some recent changes in the government market, specifically the impact on government contractors of adding an 11th federal holiday. When folks like Raymond like and share our podcast episodes on LinkedIn, we're able to reach more people and get even more great ideas for future topics. Thanks, Raymond. We appreciate the topic assistance. All right, back to the bona fide need rule. This is not a far rule. This is in the United States Code, and we don't usually quote or read United States Code sections, paragraphs, because they read exactly like you would expect a, a legally document like that to read. <laughs> All right, so tell me about the bona fide need rule. The long answer is that it's the fiscal year appropriation, and hang with me because this is going to sound really tedious. Fiscal year appropriations can only be used, or, or obligated is the official term, to meet a legitimate need, a, a bona fide need, that arises in or prior to the fiscal year in which the appropriation was made. In other words, when Congress said you could spend the money. So that all boils down to the three things you care about are purpose, time, and amount. Those are the three elements of the bona fide need rule. Legitimate need, in the right timing, and not more than than you have, although this the bona fide need rule doesn't get so much into the amount as do you have a need and is it the right time? All right, so what, when, and how much money do we have are what we're looking at here. We're going to go back to the time machine for a minute here. This concept of, they didn't call it bona fide need, but it's been around for a long time, since 1789. No kidding, that's not a typo. It's a long time ago. Typo? And, a typo in a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> It's not a miss. I'm not miss. It's a misreading because back then they said this is for service of the present year. So the bona fide need rule is about the year you're using the money. Congress gave you the money. You're going to spend it on something that you need this year. This applies to all appropriations, not, not just government contracts, although that's the topic we're talking about. But it, the, the basic idea of the bona fide need rule is we gave you the money. You got to match it to something you need now. This applies for supplies and services. For supplies, in general, the bona fide need is determined by when the government actually requires, meaning when are they going to, to use the supplies being acquired. The supply needs of a future year are the bona fide need of the future year. And of course, there's exceptions to that. But again, to boil down, 
you buy the supplies that you need now with this year's money. Next year's supplies need to be acquired with next year's money. For services contracts, it's a little more complicated. In general, services are a bona fide need of the fiscal year in which the services are performed. That makes sense. That's easy. So service contracts can't cover a period that involves two different government fiscal years, right? Well, not so right. Not exactly. <laughs> There's always exceptions. The two main exceptions are non-severable services and severable services. So non-severable services are if the service provides a single or unified outcome, product, or report, then you can consider them non-severable and you can fund the entire effort with your current year money when you award the contract, even if the contract's execution crosses that fiscal year line. So if you're hiring someone to provide a report and it takes them six months to deliver the report, you can award the contract in September and they can deliver in the next fiscal year. What would be it? September, October, November, December, January, February? They can deliver later in the year. I had to count on my fingers. That's scary. That's non-severable services. Higher level thinking here. That's non-severable services. There's another exception for severable services. You can obligate funds for a severable service contract with a period of performance no longer than 12 months at any point in the fiscal year. So if you have fiscal year 2021 funds, you can award those funds for a contract with a period of performance of 1 September 2021 to 30 August 2022. It, it, most of the work occurs in the next year, but it's tw 12 months or less. When you think about it, if you can only acquire services within the fiscal year, there would be a mad rush to award contracts on October 1st so that you have 12 months of performance and there would be no services performed in the first couple of weeks of October until all those contracts were awarded, right? It makes sense that you'll need to cross over a little bit. And this exception allows for a, a better workload distribution for the contracting offices. It allows you to spread the awards throughout the year because you know that you can have performance in the next fiscal year. Now, what we're talking about is only contracts that are funded with that with single year appropriations, operations and maintenance funding. We talk about colors of money, single year appropriations in several other podcasts. If you're not following what I'm talking about there, it's too much to get into in this podcast. Yeah, we specifically cover colors of money most recently in episode 342. Hopefully you looked that up and don't have all our episode numbers memorized. Some of them I do. That one I actually had to look up. All right, back to the definition of the bona fide need. The bona fide need is, is the requirement. You have to have that before you buy anything. You can't have the money first and then make up a requirement to spend the money on. If you think about it from Congress's perspective, if they said, here's a bunch of money, go figure out what to spend it on. That's, you know, that's a train wreck in the making. Instead, they're saying, you have this requirement, you asked us for this money to buy these things, now go buy it in a window that we gave, it, gave you the money to buy it in. That's why the requirement has to come first. Yep, and it still is use it or lose it money. It has to be spent in the year that it, that it was appropriated for. It has to be obligated in the year it was appropriated for. And that drives the use it or lose it behavior. 
it can create a, an end of the year rush to obligate funds before they expire because they're only good for that year. And that rush leads to the perception of, of, of questionable purchases. Although, although the research I've done shows that, that supposedly the government's spending is no more wasteful at the end of the fiscal year <laughs> than it is throughout the entire fiscal year. Uh, but, the, but the point is, there is a rushed perception. The bona fide need rule also drives acquisition strategies. Some government acquisitions are structured in a manner that really makes no sense in, in the commercial world. If, if you don't understand that the money's only good for a certain amount of time and can be, only be spent on certain things during a certain period of time. For example, having a, a, a base contract plus four option years, a lot of times the reason those options are there is because the appropriations for those future years hasn't been made yet, and they can't legally sign a contract saying, I'm going to have this money in three years because Congress hasn't given it to them. Whereas with a, with a private company, you can sign a five-year contract. You can sign a 20-year contract if you want. You just have to meet the contract. And so having these extra options, all the steps that come with that, it sometimes gets inserted and creates work. But again, that's, that's the world we live in. I assure you that government folks are not sitting back thinking, how can we make this more complicated? How can we make this require more administration, right? They're, they're, they're following the, the laws, the rules that have been laid out for us. Linking this to the acquisition time zones and the execution time zones, again, bona fide need is the requirement. Do you have a need? Document it in the requirement zone at the beginning of the process. Then you have to acquire whatever that requirement is while the money is still available for obligation. So you have to get through the market research zone and the RFP zone to the selection zone where a source is selected, where you've decided who to award to, and you have to award the contract while the money is still available. So we're talking entirely on the acquisition time zone side before the contract is awarded and we get to the execution time zones. So bona fide need, acquisition time zones. If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three. Except, of course, if you're doing contract modifications and you have money for the next fiscal year to buy more of a requirement on an existing contract, then that would occur in the execution time zones. Of course, I thought about that after I so 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 nicely wrapped up, it's in the acquisition time zones. I had the same thought, and we'll do a separate episode about that process. All right, Kevin, how does the bona fide need rule affect the different players on the government side? On the government side, you've got the three deciders, the three decider groups. And we talked about those in episode 118. The three deciders are the economic decider, person that has the budget, the customer, person that has the need, and the contracting officer, the person that can stitch those two together. The economic decider, they're responsible for making sure that the need, the requirement, matches the funds that are being used. They have a responsibility to manage these funds and appropriately in the timeline that, that, the, that Congress actually gave it to them. So they care about making sure the funds get obligated for the right purpose. Yeah, they're the ones that track what is used for when and make sure that, that the agency's funds are used correctly and that they all get used, right? You don't want any of those funds to expire and go back to the treasury. You want to spend them on your needs. And for the customer group, remember, this is a group that they, they have the need. They want their stuff. They don't want to lose any money either, but the context for them is they want to get their stuff. They want to use this money that, that was given to them by the economic decider. They don't want to lose money because it wasn't obligated on time. So they're very focused on making sure the money they were given this year is used this year. Yep. They, they have a requirement and they don't really care about the whole acquisition process. They want their stuff now. The customer is going to be very upset if money that was authorized and appropriated for them 
by Congress isn't used to buy what it was authorized and appropriated for in time. The contracting officer group, the one that actually puts the money on contracting, makes sure that it's obligated and not lost. The contracting officer cares about whether or not the contract is legal. If it's done correctly, meaning they don't have to do it twice. Does it meet the bona fide need rule? This pur- purpose, time, and amount. If, it's, if it doesn't meet the bona fide need rule, the person that's going to get smacked upside the head is going to be the contracting officer because they're the one that's just watching this to make sure it's actually done correctly. And then after all that's done, then they care about the timeline of the customer and, and for that matter, the contractor to get the, the funds obligated by the end of the fiscal year. This is important to industry folks as well. First, you need to make sure that what you're selling matches the need, matches the requirement, the purpose that the funds were originally authorized and appropriated for. Then you need to make sure that your customers, the government, can acquire them from you within the time period and for the amount of money that they have. You need to understand the government's processes for doing that, how they relate to what you sell. This is especially important at the end of the fiscal year. Because the government has to use these funds. They, the, the goal is to obligate the funds with some requirement. For example, if industry hasn't provided some other options to use the funds to meet a requirement that exists, then the government's going to use it for something that's easy to do through the path of least resistance, like buy another flat screen TV or upgrade an office or extend some additional software, they're going to find a path of least resistance. So industry needs to be communicating with, with the government team, focus on the customer. These are the things that we can get done with the funds that you have. And that way, when the opportunity comes at the end of the fiscal year, there's a requirement in front of them that's something other than the flat screen TV that's easy to buy. Because the path of least resistance is what can I buy now and use these funds with the requirement I have. If the only requirement I have is what's in front of me on my desk, meaning I need a new desk, I'm going to go buy a new desk. That's kind of a simplified way to say, industry folks, you need to understand your customers and they need to understand that you exist. They need to be familiar with you and what you're able to provide. So if they do get to the point, especially at the end of the fiscal year, that there is money that will expire if they don't spend it, they see your capabilities as something that fits within their bona fide need, they have a requirement within that year, and they can spend it on you quickly. And we talk about that in the fallout money episode, uh, which is episode 248. Skyway also provides training on fallout money and bona fide need and how to use all this stuff effectively at the end of the fiscal year. All right, Kevin, to wrap this up, the bona fide need rule creates that cliff or, or the brick wall that the government runs into on September 30th, if they have not obligated the funds that were appropriated and authorized for that year and for, for their purposes for that government fiscal year. This can be really heavy fiscal law and appropriation stuff, but just keep it simple. Purpose, time, and amount are the three elements that you're focused on with bona fide need. We've said purpose, time, and amount several times in this podcast. We should be clear that there are three major legal sections that, that concern funds and appropriations. Bonafide need covers the time. You have to obligate funds in in the time that they are available. Misappropriation is is known as the purpose statute. And that is you have to use the funds for the purpose for which they were obligated. And then there's the Anti-Deficiency Act that says you can't spend more than you have and you can't spend it before you have it. 
So when we say purpose, time, and amount, we're kind of wrapping them all together. Bonafide needs rule is more specific to the time. You have to have a purpose. You have to have a requirement, but it has to be a requirement in the time that those funds are available. And speaking of time, I think that's it for today. I'll talk <laughs> yeah, to you later, we, Kevin. We, we could talk about this way too much, so I think we, we, we covered it well enough. I'll see you, Paul. That's it for today's episode. If you're perplexed about how your government customer lives within the bounds of the bona fide needs rule, Skyway's team of former contracting officers can help through custom consulting and training. Visit skywayacq.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280 to learn more. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.